Welcome everybody, Revolution Not Televised Podcast. Um, today we're talking about something, a conversation that is long, long overdue. Um, and this conversation is about what people refer to as quote unquote nigger culture. Um, and what it means to us and what does quote unquote nigger culture mean um, and how it is affecting and encroaching upon, you know, black life or attempts to return to, you know, who we are and who we should be as a people, right? The first thing I want to address is that, you know, um, when people speak about culture, um, it doesn't necessarily have to be something positive. It's just a way of doing things um, that is accepted among a group, right? So what they're doing or what people are doing doesn't have to be something that's accepted. It doesn't have to be something that's positive. Um, what we're looking at when we speak about culture is whether we can recognize a pattern of behavior, speech, language, norms, and attitudes towards each other that is accepted within that social group or social context. So that's what we mean when we say culture. Um, and I first want to just say that this is not something that's confined to, you know, the U.S., the United States. Uh, a day in Brazil, you know, in most of the, the black cities, it makes Chicago, you know, look like child's play, right? So when we speak about, um, you know, quote unquote, nigger culture, it's not just confined to or talking down on, you know, um, the culture in black American urban cities. It's something that is prevalent and consistently noticeable among the descendants of slaves. All right. Now, Brazil is not something that I'm going to speak about because, you know, I didn't grow up there um, and I haven't sp spoken to um, enough people to be able to speak on a factual basis on what's going on there. But we do we do know the the murder rates, the murder tolls. It's the highest in the entire Western Hemisphere. The perpetrators of the crimes are, you know, black, male, and poor. And the victims of the murders and the crimes are black, male, and poor in Brazil. So I'm only going to focus on what I can speak to and relay on a factual observational experience basis, which is my experience growing up um, in the Caribbean and in urban cities in, um, you know, the Northeast. And the first thing that I want to address is that, you know, we are, are passing off trauma as culture, right? Um, and again, I just define culture. And a lot of the negative behaviors that we see people engaging in towards each other um, are byproducts and symptoms of trauma, unhealed trauma and compounded trauma. For those who don't know, compounded trauma means that a person experience tra experiences trauma after trauma without any type of resolution or healing or therapy is just going through trauma after trauma. Okay. And, um, you know, naturally we need to keep at the forefront of our minds that everything, um, that many of our people are doing their behaviors, um, that are negative are symptoms of trauma. Now there seems to have been a culture that has developed as a result of this unresolved trauma, particularly from black males. 
Okay, we're going to focus the conversation on black males. And this is not, and it's very annoying when, you know, we try to talk about one gender and somebody's like, oh, you know, black women do fucked up things too. Yes, they do. But everybody and every gender expresses um, their symptoms of trauma differently. Okay, the way that black women um, express their symptoms of trauma is different. So we're focusing on the way that black males do. Okay, so there's no need to interject or, you know, ask that question in the comments or anything like that about what about black women. We're primarily talking about, um, you know, the violent culture, the self-hating culture um, that is pervasive and prevalent among lower class black males. So every time we bring up this conversation, somebody goes, well, who manufactured the the quote-unquote nigger who created this we are aware that this is a culture that was not created by us we are aware that this is a culture that was created by you know white people right and you know through miseducation through violence we're aware of that however the person and the people that created the problem and created this 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 so-called creature is not the person that is going to come and solve the problem So, yes, we can acknowledge that this is a manufactured persona and culture, but also we need to recognize that these people, not any day, not any time, are going to come and try to resolve the problem or help, you know, provide therapy or PTSD treatment to prevent these types of um, personas from emerging in our community. So now we're left with the problem in our lap because primarily because of self-hate, most of these acts of violence um, are committed against each other, amongst us. And I'm not going to use the term black on black crime because it's a political term. Um, And, you know, it's just not true. Most people just commit crimes because of proximity. You know, most of of my interactions um, are with black people. So naturally, if somebody commits a a wrong or offense, it's going to be a black person, you know. Um, so I'm not going to use that term, and I encourage you to not encourage you to not use that term, okay? But we have to acknowledge that there is a violent culture that has emerged and is continuing to prevail in our urban lower class communities that is harmful to us as a community. So anything that you're trying to do for the community, anything that you're trying to do on a positive level, on a nation building level. You cannot just simply say, oh, all we need to do is open up black businesses. All we need to do is just do this, start this, without addressing this subculture, okay? Because it's a dangerous subculture that is going to destroy and bring down anything that we're trying to do if we continue to ignore it, okay? What can be done to prevent black males from poor families to get to a point of such such self-hate that they feel a need or a want to murder somebody that looks like them over petty quarrel to rob somebody that looks like them because they can to commit acts of violence against children of people because they don't like the person Okay, we're not going to sit up here and act like they have not been cases of children being murdered, children being kidnapped, all over gang violence. All right. 
what drives a person to that point and what can be done to make sure that we are not creating these monsters. Because what is happening is that we get to a point where you can no longer talk to these people, right? They're, they're not functioning as people anymore that you can reason with. I actually saw this lady get her head busted in because she told a young man to calm down on the violence. So even telling the people now to stop the violence is making them upset. They don't even want to be stopped. They don't want you to say nothing. You can't say nothing without being attacked, shot, or anything like that. Okay? So we're getting to a point where we have these young black males that have to almost be treated in a way like how you would treat some kind of rabid dog. I'm not saying that they're dogs, but when you have a rabid dog, you can't even you know, talk to the dog. You can't train the dog anymore. Anybody that tries to go near, near the dog gets attacked. You know, even people trying to help the dog gets attacked. Okay, we're at that point now. And now we need to ask ourselves, okay, we have these people that cannot be talked to anymore, cannot be reasoned with. So what can we do to prevent more of these types of characters and more of these types of quote unquote monsters from being developed and kind of, you know, raised in our communities? Parenting, community, and elders, okay? We constantly underestimate the importance of parenting in our communities. When you're about to give birth to a black child, they don't know anything about this world and everything that's about to happen to them and all the dangers out there. You as a mother and as a father have to aggressively parent your black child because there are elements in the society elements in the institutions that is out there to aggressively create a quote-unquote nigger so you cannot engage in any form of negligence because it's called negligence when you know that there's a foreseeable danger you know that it's just a little baby coming into the world they don't know anything they just want to play and laugh but you know what the world is like and you don't take steps to prevent them from facing these dangers, you're being negligent. Black parenting is a full-time, a difficult job, a 24-7 job. You don't have time to sit up here and live your best freaking life when you have a black child to raise. You don't have time to be minding people's business, worrying about what the other person's doing, out here watching fucking reality shows and watching sports all the time. When you have a black child to raise, that's a 24-7 job. Because every minute that you're not on the job, they're on their job. Every minute. So here's what we're going to do. We're either going to stop having black children if we don't know how to raise them properly or raise them properly. That's the options. Because if you don't, they're going to turn into these monsters that's in your community. If we don't, that's what's going to happen. So what does aggressive black parenting looks like look like? What does proper black parenting look like? It looks like simple acts of love and engagement. These people that are going out and shooting people that look like them over petty quarrels. People are going out and shooting people over intangible things like and this is true, okay? I already posted that I lived in, you know, Newark South Ward 
And I also lived in the Lower East Side in the projects. And I saw, while I was sitting outside in the summertime, this guy walk up to his, can't call him friends because friends don't do that, walk up to the, his, his peers, greet them laughing, smiling. He walks off. And you know what these guys say behind his back? I can't stand this smiling ass nigga. Nothing funny out here. There's nothing funny out here. So imagine your happiness makes somebody mad to the point where they may want to kill you, shoot you, rob you. Okay, so we have to get to the root of why would happiness make somebody mad? Is that a normal thing to happen in sociology that somebody's happiness makes you mad? These are people that are growing up in homes where they were never happy. They never saw happiness. It was a chaotic environment. So them seeing somebody have happiness, something that they never had, they never could have, upsets them. It seems abnormal because nobody was ever happy in their household. And again, that goes back to aggressive parenting. If you're not ready to raise a black child and parent them aggressively, do not have them. People are killing each other over envy, over somebody receiving love, over somebody receiving validation, over somebody being respected more than them in a, in, a, in a peer group. Because you know why? Nobody ever said to them in their household, you know what? Let me hear what you have to say. What you have to say is valuable to me, my son. Let me hear your opinion. Good job. I am proud of you. You're really important to me. You are very loved. You have thousands and thousands of black males growing up in households that never, ever, ever heard those words in their life. So when they see somebody else getting that love, getting that attention, getting that affection from their peer group, from other men, from other women, it makes them upset. It upsets them. It upsets their spirit. And because they, do, they cannot have that, they want to take it away from the person or they want to chop down the person to equalize themselves with that person. You're going to sit up here and tell me if you have a plant, if you have a fruit, if you have a vegetable, if you don't nurture it, that it rots, it deteriorates. But a human that has way, way, way more complex emotions, not nurtured. You don't think that there's going to be a darkness, a rotten darkness that takes over their soul? These are people that are going out as children. Obviously, the educational system is not doing them right. Everybody outside is telling them they're not shit. And they're coming inside to the household and not receiving any type of love. Any type of affirmation. Any type of nurturing. Any type of encouraging of their talents. So they grow up and, and have this darkness that comes across their soul that they want to destroy people that they see receiving that because you failed as a parent. You did not aggressively parent. Because again, white people are not going to solve the problem. They created it. So we cannot keep saying, oh, you know, they did it and then, you know, and just, no. When I look at the young males in, in, in my own hometown that I grew up with, everybody was poor. But the ones that turned violent and the ones that tried to make their way, 
That was the key difference. It was who was parented and who was not. It was about whose mother or father came to the basketball court or the soccer field and told them it's time to go home and maybe pull them by the air and whose mother came and punched them in the back, attacked them, cursed them out, say you're never doing anything right, you're always fucking up. This type of language, right? It's a clear difference in how they, how they turned out and how they started to deal with other people because of the type of parenting. There's a clear difference in the people whose fathers came to look for them after a certain time and the people that, up to this day, I don't even know who their parents are, really. I just never saw their parents. They were just always outside. Now they turned into killers. And now they can't be reached. There's a clear difference, and I want to address this because we keep on underestimating the impact of what it means to not have your father in, in your life, right? There are some people never had any type of authority figure, right? Imagine you're a young black male and, you know, it's not because maybe your mom doesn't want to raise you. It's because she can't, because she has all of these pressures going on to pay the bills. So she cannot be there as much as she wants to. And you don't have a black male figure in your life. Who is an authoritarian? Who's a disciplinarian? Who's the one to tell you, you know what? You shouldn't do this or you can't do that. And a lot of these killings and these petty arguments happen over because a lot of people were never, never, n no boundaries were ever set in their life, right? Nobody ever told them you can't do something. Nobody ever said, you know, um, you know, this is not a good idea. So guess what? When they run into another black man, who talks to them any type of way firmly or, or draws any boundary, who this nigga think he is to tell me. That's, that's the reaction because it's not, they're not used to that. So they take it as an affront. They take it in a negative way because they never, never had a voice of authority in their household. Somebody to say, somebody to say you can't do something with love. They don't understand that. So as soon as somebody draws any type of boundaries or anything like that, it's taken as an, a diss as an insult. So we cannot underestimate the value of a father in the home. We cannot underestimate the hurt of abandonment by a father to a young black male. We cannot underestimate the importance of nurturing your black male child's talent and telling them that I love you and telling them that I am proud of you. We cannot underestimate these things. Because when people constantly grow up in these environments and they find other friends with these types of traumas and these types of hurts and these types of unresolved feelings of abandonment, they're going to become friends because people become friends. People are forming friendships based on um, common traumas, okay? And don't let that go over anybody's head. People are forming alliances based on who has a similar trauma to me because those people have similar personality traits and worldviews as you. They're going to be destructive. They're going to be destructive to our community. So that's what I want to talk about because we keep underestimating the value of parenting. And I keep seeing this, this thing about people want to live their life. People want to do what they want to do. People want to live their best life. People want to mind people's business and all of this types of stuff. And they have a black child to parent, which is a 24-hour job. 
let's really get serious about parenting these black children because they didn't ask us to be here. They didn't ask for this shit, but you knew the type of life that you were bringing them into. Let's get serious. And I don't care if you don't have a child. You're a, you're a factor in the community too. If you know that you have a sister, a cousin, a, a, a brother that has a child and maybe they can't really cover it down like they want to, you have to cover it down. You have to be there. Thank you for listening.